Welcome to Unlikable Female Characters, the podcast about women who don't give a damn if you like them. I am your long-lost host, Kristen LaBianca, back from the brink of death, sort of, uh, for this one special episode. (laughs) And I am very pleased to be joined by Kelly J. Ford. Kelly is the author of the brand new Real Bad Things, as well as Cotton Mouth, which was named one of 2017's best books of the year by the Los Angeles Review, which is very cool. An Arkansas native, Kelly writes crime fiction set in the Ozarks and Arkansas River Valley. She's an occasional co-host with Daniel Ford on the Writer's Bone podcast, and she lives in Vermont with her wife, cat, and dog. Thank you, Chris, and I'm so thrilled you're back from the brink of death. Congrats. Uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's nice to not be half dead and in the hospital, so that's cool. Uh, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> always, always better to be out of the hospital than in the hospital. Indeed. So, yeah. So you have a brand new book out. Life I must do. be absolute chaos right now. Correct. I, this is what's so great about this podcast. Everyone on this show is a published author. I think yes. more than one book, too. So you don't have yes. to say, you don't have to couch it in any kind of terms. Right. It's We're like, just like, yeah, it's bonkers. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's bonkers. And once you get published, your life just gets harder. And yeah. you yeah, never feel like you're enough. So mm-hmm. welcome, everybody. <laughs> yes, yes. You might get one day off a month if, right. if you're lucky. <laughs> if you're lucky. So how has the, yeah. the release gone with uh, Real Bad Things? It's been, it's been great. Um, it has been a whirlwind month. Um, so... It released. I had, I had an Amazon first series promotion for it, so it, the launch was kind of a slow thing for me, which I actually enjoyed quite a bit <laughs> because I, I love a, a beta release um, instead mm, of a big yeah. thing because I, I am a true work life kind of person um, nice, with a yeah. day job. So, so I did appreciate that, but uh, things were pretty hectic um, the, the past couple weeks, but I had a, an amazing launch party at Harvard Bookstore, which um, I still consider my community bookstore, even though I am now in Vermont. I still buy all my things there, and then um, had a little party, and then went off to BoucherCon to um, meet up with some other crime writers, so it's been really fun, but on top of that, I also was working on edits for my next book with Thomas and Mercer, so Woo! <laughs> Woo! Crazy stuff. Yeah. I, I allowed myself a day off. Speaking of, the other day, I think it's Saturday, and I was like, "Okay, but I have so many things I need to be doing. It's so hard." Yeah, it really is. It's hard to, it's hard to stop mm-hmm. doing the stuff. Like mm-hmm. you're like, I could be relaxing right now, or I could be doing more stuff about. Mm-hmm the book I just wrote or the book that I'm writing or promoting all of the books that I've written or supporting other people's books. It's, it, it can yeah. be a lot. Okay. So tell us about real bad things. What is this book all about? The story centers on a decades old murder. And so my main character, Jane Mooney, when he, her stepfather disappeared, everyone assumed he got drunk and drowned, but instead of letting that rumor take root, Jane confesses to the murder of her stepfather. Um, She wants to go to jail, but there's no bodies, so 
no crime, as Taylor Swift loves to say. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which I love. Um, so Jane ends up moving to Boston, but then 25 years later, a body is found, and it's presumably worn, and so Jane returns to her hometown in Arkansas to deal with the repercussions of her confession. But as happens in a small town, other things come to light. As, that. as they always do. They do. Um, what is it about uh, <laughs> books that have, like, that center around, like, a 20-odd-year-old mystery? Like, they're the best. Mm-hmm. They're like, so ev- much fun. Everything I want to write is like that. Mm-hmm. I've already written one. I'm working on another one right now that's the exact same deal. Like, <laughs> something about that dynamic of, like, there was this bad thing that happened, and then all this time has passed. Yeah. And it has changed all the circumstances and it has changed fundamentally who, you know, the characters in the story are. But at the mm-hmm. same time, like, people don't change. Right. So it's like, you know, you are who you were back then. And there's just something so compelling about it. I love digging into that stuff. I do as well. I love reading about it. I love thinking about it, writing about it, obviously. Um, I think I always go back to that, too, because I really love coming of age. Mm-hmm. Um, flashbacks. I know a lot of people hate flashbacks, but I, for one, love them. Um, I want all your flashbacks and all your tangents. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I think, you know, and I think, too, coming of age can be different for different people, especially when you're talking about gender and sexuality. That could be, you know, you could be 25 as opposed to 15 when you come of age. I'm really fascinated by that, like, who you were then. Like, yes, you are essentially the same person, but, you're all, but your life is also different. Like, your brain is the same, mm-hmm. but it's mature, but everything else is kind of different. And um, I, I was just reminded of, um, I have a friend who had committed a crime. <laughs> I have a lot of friends who have committed crimes, but someone who actually <laughs> had to go to prison And um, this person, by the time their prison came around, it was, I think, 10 to 15, possibly 20 years after the fact. And I only knew the person after the fact. Mm -hmm. So it was fascinating to me. So, yes, Jane confessed to killing her stepfather, Warren, at the time that he, you know, disappeared and there was no body. It reminds me of this um, line from a Laurie Moore story. It's like, you know, what if you threw a love affair and no one came? It's like, what if you threw a murder Mm. confession and no one came? (laughs) Like, no one came to her murder confession party. Like, no one was having it. (laughs) I love that. Except her mother. (laughs) Right. Her mother definitely came. Yes. And, you know, the fact that there was no body, which made it seem like no crime. And so Mm -hmm. she was just, you know, talking out of her ass, basically. She used this opportunity um, to just get the fuck out of Arkansas, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And she went on to uh, go up the East Coast, uh, had a, you know, rich life of of a queer woman <laughs> in America, and then, you know, all of a sudden, this body turns up, and the police say it's Warren, and, like, the the time has come for her to answer for this. Uh, but it's not the police that Im- instantly make her mm-hmm. want to answer for it. It is her mother. Her mother kind of is like, they found him. You better get back here and own up to what you did. And Jane does it, despite the fact that her relationship with her mother 
has been it's always been bad it's basically non-existent by the you know the time that the story opens but Jane still feels a real sense of responsibility not exactly for what she did but for the circumstances right correct so what kind of inspired you to want to dig in around the idea of like who is responsible what does it mean to be responsible for something this is the first time anyone's asked me that Hmm. um interesting they're like What's it about? Um, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, no. We I ask the hard-hitting questions here. I, I love hard-hitting. I apologize. I don't have great answers. No. I think possibly it's that Southern Baptist guilt. Mm. <laughs> and if people are Southern Baptist, apparently it's very akin to Catholic guilt. Yeah. I, where I, I got that one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My wife, too. And so I think, too, when you grow up in a family or, you know, people I've talked to who grow up in families where there's not a lot of conversation about real things, that it's kind of hard to tell whether or not you're responsible for something, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you're going around, you're feeling the vibes off of everyone. Like something's not quite right in this room. But you don't know why, and no one's really talking, and so you assume it's it's you. It must be you because you're feeling it so deeply right. and intensely. And I was 100% that 100% feeling person where mm-hmm. I feel like I absorb other people's emotions oh, yeah. probably too well. Mm-hmm. It's a blessing and a curse, and I wanted to explore that, probably not intentionally. It's just something I'm so used to that I really, I'm one of those people that when I fuck up, I really want to apologize immediately (laughs) just to make sure. People may be like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm like, no, you don't understand. I said something really inappropriate and rude. There's no excuse. I'm so sorry. <laughs> and they think I'm weird, but I just always want to have my side of the street clean. So I think it comes through in my writing is just that that anxiety of I have done something terribly wrong. And I think with Jane, she's so protective of her younger brother, Jason, that she will do anything to protect him and make sure that no matter what happened in their lives, she's going to be responsible for it so she can make sure he's not harmed in any way. I don't know if that's a spoiler. I just realized no, that. No, I don't think okay. I don't think so cuz it, okay. it goes on some Okay. twists and turns yeah I, okay. I think that's okay but I totally I totally get what you're saying and the need to take responsibility when you actually do something wrong that's like very different from the way that we're conditioned to apologize mm-hmm. for things that aren't our fault but it it's somehow like being being a lady is complicated because oh, we're constantly apologizing for things that aren't our fault which kind of like it kind of dilutes the idea of taking responsibility and apologizing mm-hmm. in general because everyone's saying, "Oh, I'm sorry," but they're not sorry. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it's, it's like true. when you're sorry, you are sorry. It's like I should be more articulate on this point, given that I'm a writer. But it's it's complicated. The idea I, of I think so. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, it is diluted, and I'm one of those people who definitely says, oh, I'm so sorry, and whenever someone says, don't apologize, that's when my back gets up. I'm like, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) 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 I will be fucking sorry if I want to. I will apologize. (laughs) 
Like, I cannot stand it when people tell me what to do. Right. <laughs> like, it's a switch. Like, you're on my shit list now, buddy. Right. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> it's usually a man who's telling oh, for us. for sure. Right? And I, yes. I, perhaps the meaning behind it is, oh, you don't have to apologize. I understand we operate under patriarchy. Don't feel like you have to do this. But then also you know, living under patriarchy. I'm like, hey, you're telling you're still telling me what to do. Right. <laughs> if someone is like, you know, if I say, Oh, I'm sorry that happened and someone's like, Oh, it's not your fault, it's like, I know it's not my fault. Exactly. I, I'm still allowed to be sorry that it happened. Exactly. <laughs> Same. Same. Yeah. That's... I will fight over stuff like that. It's so minor. But my, I just get my back up against a wall on that stuff. And <laughs> immediately I'm like, okay, I need an edible. <laughs> I'm literally a little reactive like my dog. <laughs> right. Yeah, get get those gummies. Make them, yes. them, them take the edges off this whole brain thing. Yeah, for sure. Let's talk about the queer crime fiction. How about sure? It we are living in a golden age of it. I would say uh, there's Indeed. so much good stuff being published right now, um, and I am absolutely delighted when I see books by queer authors getting huge New York Times reviews. Like Cheryl mm-hmm. Head's book was reviewed. Oh, love that. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's just incredible. But at the same time, you still get people who are like, oh, is there is there gay stuff in that book? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> how, yeah. how on earth do we, like, reconcile these two things where on one hand there's all this amazing stuff happening, and on the other hand, we live in this bizarro world where, mm-hmm. you know, people on Goodreads are saying, like, I like this book, except I don't know why she had to be gay. Like, right. <laughs> like, well. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. know why I had to either. It's just kind of <laughs> how it happened. Yeah, we still ended up queer despite all this uh, straight uh, heteronormativity uh, sent our way throughout our lives. Yeah, so exactly. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, but, yeah, it's it's a I like you. I'm so thrilled, and um, I think that one person's success, you know, it helps all of us. And um, yes, it has been very weird though to go from my very queer debut, which is very small release and not a lot of people knew about it and still don't to going to you know an amazon imprint where you're perceived by the general public it's very weird and i'm truly grateful it's been a wonderful experience with thomas and mercer but before with cottonmouth i was able to read goodreads reviews because it was Mm. truly the only way i would know how anyone thought about my book Mm-hmm. And there were so many lovely people, like this whole group of women from working class rural towns and, you know, I can't even remember where they're at, but just in the middle of the country and it resonated with them and I was so grateful. And then um, with Real Bad Things, at one point, very early on with the Amazon first read someone, I saw the headline disgusting and I was like, nope. <laughs> not gonna read that you know yeah. I can harm myself well enough on my own I don't right. need to remember this is so I mean it's something that we still have to deal with and and that's unfortunate but it's certainly not gonna stop me but I can only hope that you know with 
exposure, <laughs> exposure therapy to your queers, you know, <laughs> like maybe yes. they'll, you know, learn how not to be dumbasses. Cause truly that's how I feel. If, if you're still homophobic in 2022, you're dumbass. I'm sorry. Oh, for sure. Um, yes. like there's just no reason. And, um, I was thinking about this because I saw something recently after like this whirlwind book launch and everything. And it was so wonderful. And I had such a great time and, you know, the crime writing community has been extremely welcoming to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm only speaking for me. I have no idea about other people's experiences, but I've had a really good experience. And so I saw something like the first news show I turned on probably in years because I don't even watch late night news or anything. I'm watching Jeopardy. But um, <laughs> there was something about Colorado bake shop and not wanting to bake a fucking cake, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, seriously, people, <laughs> right? in a pandemic, it's 2022, don't we, ha- we've got climate change, can't we think about something other than just giving people some fucking cake? Right, <laughs> so, so just, just give them the uh, cake, they were going to pay you for the cake, it's not no. like... They were demanding a free cake. It's not like making a cake for someone is the equivalent of endorsing every choice they've ever made in their lives. Just make the cake. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, so, we have so much well, to worry about right now. Like, will our planet even be here in yeah. 10 minutes? I, 10, I 10 minutes. 10 years. I, I don't mean, know. You never know, Kristen. Right? I mean, That's true. Daily, I'm we, do, like, we do live in uncertain times. <laughs> we do. And I just can't imagine living my life like that. You know, it's a sad existence, I think. And so, so if by me having a little bit more exposure to, or people having a little bit more exposure to our community um, than they're used to, like, by all means, I'm happy about that. And they mm-hmm. can get pissed off at me. Look, I'm a geriatric queer. So <laughs> <laughs> you cannot harm me. I've heard it all. Not it's not really. I My wife is always like, you're, like, barely middle-aged and you act like you're 85. But I do feel 85. Um, so, yeah, I... I would willingly take all the hate to keep it off of some of the younger people, especially our trans community members. Right. Um, right. You know, so I don't know. Bring it on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, in summary, (laughs) yes, I think it's just, you know, you have to, you have to really wonder about these people's lives. Like not only do you have these shitty beliefs that you go around your life with, but you like felt the need I especially feel this about, like, when someone will send me an email on my website. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't get a ton of them, but I've gotten enough where I'm just like, what? Where it's like, wow. you're so, you're, like, your life is so sad and empty that you had mm-hmm. you had that th- shitty thought. And you're like, you know what? I'm going to tell her. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, like, what's the point? Yeah. Like, you don't, yeah. you obviously don't care about what I think or mm-hmm. anything so it's just like what i don't know it's yeah there's something about that like thinking that your viewpoint should be out there you know writing mm-hmm. this shitty viewpoint in a goodreads review it's it's the same energy of the people uh on amazon if you if you're like looking through like the questions and answers section mm-hmm. and sometimes there'll be a question like does this whatchamacallit come in blue and someone <laughs> will answer and they're like i don't know like, <laughs> it's like, you know, it's okay to say nothing. Like, you don't, 
you don't have to say that you don't know if you don't know. <laughs> it just that always cracks me up. It's like, no, you, you wanted to put your two cents in, even though your two mm-hmm. cents were completely worthless. Yeah, I feel like we're definitely, I, I do, I read a lot of history. Mm-hmm. Uh, giving off some real fall of the Roman Empire vibes. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. we just, like, sometimes I'm just like, wow, I mean, humanity. I know. Not really. It's, it's, kind of batting zero right now. We've destroyed the earth for us and others, so I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, like in the, the last, like, you know, 200 years, basically, we destroyed mm-hmm. the earth. Good good for us. Basically, good job. Yeah. Good job, kids. <laughs> okay. Uh, or not. Right. <laughs> oh, my. So, what good stuff are you reading right now? Oh, my gosh. I was speaking of the fall of the Roman Empire. <laughs> so, I, I am still reading um, Powers and Thrones, A New History of the Middle Ages. Ooh. I'm just, I'm so into history. I just love it. I don't know what's wrong with me. But whenever anyone asks, like, what we do for a different career, I would definitely have been a historian of some sort. I love that. I'm so into it. And then I'm also in the middle of reading The Siren Queen by Naivo. I think mm. I pronounced her name correctly. Um, I don't know if you've heard about it, but the cover is stunning. It is about, I mean, I think it's, I don't I don't know genres, so I'm not even going to try. So it's about a Chinese-American um, Hollywood star in the golden age of Hollywood, like pre-code. And that mm-hmm. is 100% up my alley. And then also it's, it's a little queer, so... Ooh. Checking all the boxes. Yes. And the cover is just gorgeous. Just this woman's face with this black lipstick and, you know, stunning. I love Hollywood glamour stuff so much. I do too. I'm a sucker. Are you are you big into like noir films? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't watch as many as I should. It was kinda like growing up I did a little bit more and my grandma Sue always had the true crime Hollywood magazines and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I always whenever the like old Hollywood comes up, I always ask people about this movie that like no one has seen. Have you ever seen The Strange Love of Martha Ivers? No. Oh it's it's super weird and it's in the public domain and I really want okay. to write an adaptation of it as a modern novel. Uh, maybe I'll do wow. that at some point. If I tell I them on this podcast, maybe I'll actually do it. Or maybe someone will steal the <laughs> idea. Either way, like it's a it's a it's a great, really strange, mm-hmm. sort of lesser known uh, noir film that I just I really love. It's set in a like a small town, of course. And you know, concerning mm-hmm. something that happened long ago, of course, like all of the best course. stories. Mm-hmm. It's such a good starting point for any story. Yeah, Ugh, I just want to like yeah. watch noir films for the rest of the mm-hmm. day. Yeah, I mean, you might as well. Ten Why isn't that like now, a job? We might not be here. That's, that's true. <laughs> I mean, it's probably more like four minutes at this point. Uh, <laughs> <true>. <laughs> I know we have been talking. Since yes. Then, so. Yes. <laughs> Have you been like going to see any movies lately, like mm. in the theater since COVID? I have not seen a movie in a theater since probably 2019, and it was yeah. really hard to get me into a movie theater pre. Um, oh, really? Yeah, I'm not a huge movie fan. I'm way more into TV shows. Right, because we're just in a golden age of TV. We are, for sure. And um, I haven't been 
super interested because I feel like a lot of the offerings at movie theaters are tentpole type movies, and those are fun. But I definitely don't want to be around the general public for that. It's not worth my time. No. I'm I'm such a homebody. Yeah, I have not seen a movie in the theater since pre-COVID either. Mm. Um, And I used to love going to the movies. It's one of my absolute Mm. favorite things to do. Uh, So I haven't done that in a long time. And Mm. I I have this theory, though, about movies, which is that um, we we, on the podcast, we talked about this uh, in our episode in the run-up to the Oscars this year. But I'm afraid that movies might be bad now. (laughs) <laughs> because everything that I've watched that's come out in mm-hmm. the last two years, I pretty much hated. Like, yes. I I don't know mm-hmm. if it's just, like, because I'm watching it at home, I don't like it as much, or maybe mm-hmm. everyone is just, like, making shitty art right now. I don't know. But, like, I've disliked everything. And just like Like, big, splashy, blockbuster-type movies. I've disliked mm-hmm. small, weird little movies. Like, it's really, you know... It's kind of a bummer, but I'm afraid the movies... I'm afraid they're bad now. So. Yeah. I think, too... I, I mean, I don't know that the movies are bad, but the ones that are being promoted might be. Yeah. Right? Because when you think about, you know, all the Marvel movies... And I love the Marvel movies. Like, one of the things my wife and I did, like, early days of the pandemic and lockdown was we watched the entire... You know, we're like, all right, I'm going to do them in order. <laughs> and so I watched them all. But I think, too, for me, it's kind of like that difference between a novel and a short story. Both are so wonderful, but I think in order to pull them off, you have to really understand your craft and be good Mm -hmm. at it. And so when I was trying, when you were talking about movies being bad, I was like, what's a movie I watched that I really like? And then Midsummer, I watched it at home. I freaking love that movie. It's Mm. so bizarre. So bizarre. (laughs) <laughs> and I and I'm like, can someone please watch? Like, none of my friends are cool either. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, can someone please watch this really freaky movie and get back to me? And they haven't, because again, they're nerds. But um, I thought that was so well done. But I think that it's well done because there's an understanding of the format and in the power. And I think you know, with a short story, that's what it is. And why I suck at short stories is so much mm. needs to happen in such a small amount of space that you really have to understand all the moving parts and really create that wow moment. And so a lot of the movies I have seen personally, I don't feel like they either have too much space to breathe, but there's not enough plot mm-hmm. that requires the space, or they don't give the story enough space to breathe in the time it's given. And so that's, yeah. but that's why I like, I love a limited series from HBO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm always mm-hmm. big on those. Foodly's doing great too. But be, I think because I'm also such a character person. Right. By heart. I love to get to know people, you know, like we were talking about the 20 year thing or, you know, going back in time and to see, I think that's where TV has an edge over movies is that you can really truly explore characters and see things from multiple points of view, mm-hmm. which you can't necessarily get in a movie. So I, I totally agree. There's like the flashback backstory mm-hmm. sort of character development stuff. Like that's my absolute favorite stuff to write. Mm-hmm. I, I often mm-hmm. joke that if I could write an entire novel of backstory, I probably would. 
Like I'll... it'd probably be my favorite book too, because I love backstories so much. Yeah, it's like explaining why people are the way they are. Oh, it's so it's so delicious. So but, good. But like you know, in a movie, you don't have you don't have as much space as you do in mm-hmm. like a, a a good limited series, but the pacing of it, you kind of just have to like drop in and let's go. We're trying to hold someone's mm-hmm. attention for two hours right now. Whereas with a TV show, the fact that you're broken up into episodes really creates interesting moments of like climax and like it just, it, mm-hmm. it gives space to breathe, but also like it gives space to let things develop in a more mm-hmm. organic way rather than like sort of just plopping you into the action which is what movies kind of have to do right and it's a market demand and i think that's the same kind of demand that's put on a lot of writers as well mm-hmm. yeah you know having been through it i'm sure you know yes. as well it's just like could we like just get to the action please and i <laughs> never want to get to the action not ever i'm no, like you I will get st- the action <laughs> Page 200. Down. <laughs> I want to start at the beginning of the universe and sort of go slowly from there. Um, oh God, I love it. <laughs> I would read it. I would read it. Those are those kind of epics. Like, have you ever read uh, Pachinko or did you watch the series on Apple TV? Uh, no. Oh, you, I mean, if you love that, you'd love it because it's basically like, let's start with this girl's father. <laughs> so it goes through, it's set in um, South Korea, I think South Korea, I'm so sorry if that's not correct, but it's set in South Korea. And um, it's basically a whole family history and it is absolutely fascinating. Oh, I, love I love it. Family history, yes, please. Yes. Sign me up. Definitely. It's one of my favorite books. I absolutely adore it. So what are you writing right now? I am currently finishing edits for a book that's tentatively titled The Hunt. And it's um, the book that I'm working on for Thomas and Mercer. And it's allegedly out next year. <laughs> so, <laughs> but whoo, thank God I'm in developmental edit. So um, they haven't said no to it. So, and they've oh. seen it more than once. So well, that's I, good. I consider that a plus. But yeah. <laughs> um, whenever I talk about this book, everybody's like, what? Um, but it's based on this radio station contest um, from my hometown called The Hunt for the Golden Egg. Mm-hmm. And it was literally just that. Like whenever people ask me, I'm like, "No, you're literally hunting for a gold neck somewhere <laughs> around town. That's it. That's the story." But in my story, well, and the DJ, whenever he would announce the clues, so it was kind of like a scavenger hunt kind of thing. So whenever uh-huh. he would announce the clues, I was a kid, and his voice was so scary to me because I think radio voices they really have that that ability to conjure a feeling and a vibe. And um, it always terrified me. (laughs) Like, it was an Easter egg hunt, essentially. But I was terrified. So I've been, my whole life, I've carried this terror around with me. And I was like, I'm going to do something with that someday. And so I had, you know, I don't even know how long ago I started this. But essentially, the the book now is um, a serial killer uses the annual hunt for the golden egg um, as their praying ground. Or... Is it accidental death? So it's this whole small town that there are people who are um, quote unquote eggheads who are like really into the hunt, and then mm-hmm. there are people who are anti eggheads, including a lot of the victim families. And so it's this clash in this small town about whether or not there's really a serial killer or if it's 
just accidents and human error. I love that. It's so, been so fun to write. So when you say golden egg, is it like <laughs> like genuine gold or is it like a gold colored egg? Like what what is the <laughs> <I know. laughs> Well, you know, I don't know. So in my book they don't know. Because uh-huh. I remember it being such a secret. Like it was scandalous to know, right? Like, and at one point, like, there was a, a Gerber factory in town, I think, and it was, like, someone who had won or had been involved in the clues found out, and they're not supposed to participate. I don't know. It's, like, this whole thing. Like, my, my hometown provides me such great material. <laughs> it's just Northwest Arkansas weirdness. Got it. Um, Love it. So I don't even know if it's golden. And no one knows because it's it's a closely held secret in my book. And it's also a closely, closely held secret in my mind as a kid. It's one of those things like I'll probably go back and I'll learn it. I've, I've tried to look it up, but I can't find anything other than old maps and old clues, which are also pretty scary to me still. So <laughs> that, is, that is so interesting that it's like yeah. frightening to you. I don't know. It's... <laughs> It, but, it was his voice. It was I don't know. I was not a normal child. I, will I mean, were disclaimer. any writers normal ch- normal children? I highly doubt it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there was a contest in the suburb where I live a couple years ago that was like it was called the Keys to the City, and they had clues mm. about like where you would go and you would find these keys, and the idea was there was like a prize in a vault. And if you got a key, you could try to unlock the vault to see if your key would unlock the vault. And so we had found some keys because it was like a fun diversion Mm -hmm. back in the before times when, you know, being out and about and around people was not so scary. Mm -hmm. And um, on the day that you were supposed to go and find out who had the key to open the vault, we had like got to this place a little bit early and... We were kind of standing off to the side before it started. And before it even started, they let some random kid try his key first. And it mm-hmm. fucking unlocked the vault <laughs> before oh, no. it even started. The first kid. We were just like, come on. So rude. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> so rude. Like, it had to be rigged. It had to be. It had to be. That's what my book's about. Is this totally, it's a similar setup. It's a whole contest, a whole town thing. So those feelings you feel, that's what I'm trying to bring in my book. I love it. (laughs) I want to read that right now. Well, Real Bad Things is fantastic. Thank you. Full of just people with complicated motivations, and that's the kind of stuff that we love here on this podcast. So good. I'm so happy that you've, you know, had the big, exciting, large publisher book launch experience mm-hmm. with Thomas and Mercer. That's fantastic. And yeah, hopefully this book will, you know, end up in lots and lots of hands as you deserve it. You are a fantastic writer. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been a wonderful experience and uh, I'm excited to uh, get more things out there. Keep yeah. doing weird queer shit. Yes. That's the name <laughs> of the game, right? Keep doing weird queer shit as much as we can. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me today for this chat. Yeah, thank you. It's been really fun. I really enjoyed our conversation. You want to just let us know where people can find you on the internets and elsewhere, if there is an elsewhere? Sure. Um, I'm at, my website is kellyjboard.com. 
And you can find me on Twitter at the same and Instagram at the same Kelly J. Ford. So as long as we're all still here, we've we've made it 10 minutes. So that's good news. Hopefully okay. another 10 minutes <laughs> in the world will go by before the heat death of the universe. Yeah, Fingers we'll see. Crossed. All right, all right, take care. <laughs> all right, you too. Thanks so much. That's it for this episode of Unlikable Female Characters. Don't forget to subscribe, and you can also follow us on Twitter at UnlikableFCPod for updates, book recommendations, and angry feminist rants. Our website is unlikablefemalecharacters.com, and we're also on Instagram at unlikablefemalecharacters. Thanks for listening.